Welcome to season three of Getting on the Green. I am very excited to get started for this season. Um, we've come a long way, and I want to start with a couple of thank yous. Um, first and foremost, to the people behind the scenes, um, Jackie, Natalie, and Ashley. Uh, you guys have been amazing for me. I really, really appreciate you all pushing me to um, continue. Creating something um, out of nothing is never easy. Uh, it takes a lot of effort, um, drive, and, you know, I mean, it's not always there. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is something that comes naturally to me per se. I mean, talking is definitely something natural for me, but, you know, creating something like this is never something that I um, envisioned that I would be doing. So from time to time, I need a little kick in the butt to, to get me back out there recording more um, and working harder and harder. And so to the three of you, I really, really appreciate everything you've done for me um, through your marketing and um, staying on top of me. We have created a website, if you have not seen it, gettingonthegreen.com. I have a blog on there. There's, there's only a couple as of now, but I'm working on it. Um, there will be more. It is a mix of both uh, golf course reviews uh, in the South Florida area, as well as um, some real estate. But as of now, there is, I believe, only four. Uh, but like I said, more are coming out. I have another one that I just wrote. So there should be five or the fifth one should be coming out. But as of now, there's four posted. Um, so check that out. If you have any interest in contacting me being on the podcast, you can email me through gettingonthegreen.com. So don't hesitate. Send me your comments. Anything you'd like to say, reach out to me. Um, I can also be contacted through LinkedIn. Um, just search my name, Craig Merlin. I'm, I'm on there. Um, so this week's episode, it's kind of a little bit of an update on what's been going on throughout my life uh, in between... I think the last update I did was about house hacking at the beginning of, of season two. So this is going to be a little bit of an update on my life, on what I'm doing, what I'm seeing, kind of my outlook on 2021 and so forth. And I will also talk a little bit about some of the guests that are going to be on our show because we are expanding, getting more um, exposure. So, you know, when you have more exposure, you have more interest from people outside of your immediate area. So we are uh, excited about the people that we're interviewing for season three. So stand by for that. So let's get right into it. So I'll, I'll start with what I'm doing. Um, I recently have been reading a good amount. Um, whenever you start something new, and granted, I've been involved in the brokerage world for a little bit over a year now. Um, so I always try to educate myself um, and get educated. So I'm not going to say that I educate myself solely because there's certainly people who have been teaching me and I like to expand my knowledge as much as possible. And I'd suggest everybody out there do that. There's never too much knowledge that you can have, no matter your experience in anything you do. Um, you can always expand your knowledge more. Um, what I always say is there's always somebody better than you and there's always somebody worse than you. So um, always strive to be the best you can and expand your knowledge. So I've been reading a bunch of books. So I just wanted to mention three of them. Um, one book I read by Dale Carnegie, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, 
it's a, it's a great book um, written, I believe, in the 20s or the 30s. Uh, but there have been a couple of updates on it to keep it a little bit more relevant. Um, it's just about some psychological um, methods of basically getting ahead, um, how to deal with different situations, how to make yourself seem more appealing, um, even in negative situations. Uh, you know, if somebody's yelling in your face, how to handle that. If somebody's treating you poorly, how to handle that, how to enter into, you know, a negotiation, for instance. Um, so that's a great book. I would highly suggest you all uh, at least read the cliff notes if you don't want to read the entire thing. But but there's a lot of uh, really insightful aspects of that book. I would suggest you take a look at that. The second book I want to mention is kind of like a pamphlet. Uh, very, very quick read. Um called The Richest Man in Babylon. Really interesting style of writing. A lot of thy, um, it, the setting is in Babylon. So a lot of, they use thy basically every three or four words. So it's it's a little tough to read, but the, the underlying message is fantastic. And it's, and it's a lot about um, how to grow money um, and not only make money, but grow money. And it's not only about, uh, they, they actually make a comparison about two Two people who have put out the had the same education, put out the same amount of effort, um, but one is poor or you know paycheck to paycheck, and one is the richest man in Babylon, and um, they basically find out that the underlying reason behind why there's such a disparity between those two individuals is the way they look at money and treat money and handle their assets. Um, so quick read, really, really good book. Uh, I enjoyed it, um, even though, again, I, I will say that it was slightly tough to read because the the English is is a little bit different using thy and and different you know vernacular like that. So, but it was it was interesting. I, I really enjoyed it. And the third book, uh, I'm actually on the last chapter of it right now, but I really like um, the message that it sends. Is a book called Start with Why. Um, the reasoning behind this whole book is understanding the layers of what we do. So there's the why layer, there's the how layer, and there's the what layer. And so in order to understand and be successful in what you're doing, um, you need to understand that there's different layers of basically the task at hand. Um, one mention is of Apple and Steve Jobs. Um, he started with his why, and his why was to basically change the world and um, kind of separate yourself from the crowd. Um, how he did that is very different from why he did that. So the comparison that they make in the book is um, basically between Dell computers and Apple. And how, in the end, a computer, a personal computer is a personal computer. Sure, there's different features um, between the two companies that they provide. Um, but what they focus on is vastly different. Dell would sell you on, you know, the, the blue casing on their, on their computer and, you know, the, the different processors that they came out with, where Apple would really focus on why. Why did they um, basically come out with this concept? And that was to change the world and to change who the person is that uh, is using their product. Um, people want to be a part of 
a crowd, but at the same time, they want to be an individual. Um, so they like seeing the apple on the back of the, of the monitor. Um, an interesting topic that they talked about is how most companies on their laptops, they have the logo facing the user. When they open it up, showing to the rest of the people um, behind the computer, the logo's upside down. That's not what Apple does. Apple has the logo upside down for the user when the, when the monitor is closed. And when they open it up, when they open the laptop, the logo is facing up. So everybody can see that you're using an Apple product. Um, so they associate the why, the how, the what um, to different parts of the brain and how one part of the brain, the limbic brain kind of deals with the emotion and um, basically the, the whys. And the neocortex de deals with the, the hows and the whats and um, the language aspect of it. So there's a disconnect between those two and different, and different parts of the brain are used for uh, different things such as um, emotion and language and rationalization. Um, but either way, I'm definitely not explaining it as well as uh, the author does. So I would highly suggest you um, take a look at that book. It's by Simon Sinek. Um, really good book. Like I said, I'm finishing it up now. Um, but great read, very easy. And uh, it's, a, it's a good insight into business practices and also marketing tactics. Um, it's, it's very interesting to see how you're manipulated. And by you, I mean, we as a whole, I'm certainly a part of that crowd are manipulated by uh, different marketing techniques and how different companies based on their successes or not based on their successes, but different companies use different marketing techniques and it dictates their success. Um, and it somewhat all comes down to the why, how, and the what's. Um, so other than the books that I'm reading, um, I mentioned that I had a son. He's now five and a half months old. He's awesome. He's smiley, happy, um, a lot of work though. Uh, very, very short um, sleeping hours for me. So it's, it's definitely been a long five and a half months, but it's definitely rewarding. Um, my, my buddy who just had a kid sent me a, a funny meme and it's out of the movie Elf. Um, Buddy the Elf says that he had a great night sleeping. He got all of 40 minutes. Uh, so that resonated pretty, pretty well with me. Um, although I must admit I am getting more than 40 minutes, but it's certainly not the uh, eight, nine hours that I used to get uh, or like the 12 hours I used to get back in college. Um, so Sam's doing well. Um, and I look forward to seeing him grow and continue to turn into a real human being, which is which is pretty crazy. You never, you never really understand how much a child is going to change your life until it happens. And uh, Sam has definitely been a blessing for me. Um, so let's get to a little bit of investments. I am looking to expand my portfolio a little bit more. Um, like I said in the house hacking, I'm currently living in a two-unit townhome, separated townhome. I live in one of them and I rent out the other. So I am currently house hacking, um, but I am continually looking for more investment homes to add to my portfolio. Um, so I've made a lot of offers on different houses. I've been looking at duplexes for the most part, you know, to try and keep the, uh, the total number of the dollar amount down. Um, you know, there might be better deals 
out there when it comes to actual return on investment um, that, but, but it's going to require me to put down more money. Um, so for the most part, I have been looking for those smaller deals because, you know, that's where I'm at. It doesn't mean that that's what you have to do. Um, but for me, that's what I've been looking at. But from what it seems, the prices are very, very high. And, you know, you got to ask yourself, why is that? Is it because of the lack of supply? Could be. Is it um, because of the major disconnect between owners and tenants? Could be. Is it because of the historically low rates for mortgages? Could be a combination of the three of them. Um, so you got to ask yourself in this situation, are we in for some sort of a crash and or at least a dip? Um, in the prices. And honestly, I, I don't think that's the case. Even if that is the case, I, I tend to have a longer term outlook on my investments. So if there is a temporary dip and I missed the bottom by however much, you know, historically real estate goes up. So sure, I might miss the dip right now, but you know what I can miss in a potential purchase price, I may be able to make up in uh, raising rents or improving the property and calling for, you know, a, a higher rent. Um, I can also take advantage of the historically low interest rates. Um, so, you know, I think now is definitely a good time to continue looking into investment properties. Um, obviously, finding distressed assets is one way of doing that. Uh, I try and leverage any um, type of relationship I have. And I'll talk a little bit more, a little bit more about that later on in this podcast uh, in order to find um, distressed assets. Um, but as of now, I'm kind of doing the opposite of what I was just describing. So I was describing trying to look for smaller properties at a, a lesser purchase price. But um, I came across this property that I've been looking at for a while now. Um, it hasn't sold. The price keeps dropping. And you have to ask yourself, why is a property not selling? Um, at a time when um, I was actually looking for a property for my sister to live in, uh, we made multiple offers on a couple of different houses. And one house got a more than full price offer, zero inspection, all cash. You know, to me, that's that's insanity. Who who does that uh, unless they're trying to live in there for a year and then sell the property? Um, and it's not like it was a flip. Uh, that that property was pretty darn good condition. Um, so you know, there's just there's kind of no rationality in the market right now when it comes to purchasing, um, in my opinion. So getting back to what I was saying, what I'm looking at now is a property that basically hasn't sold for a while and is continuing to drop in price. So if that happens, that should be a red flag to you. Why is this property not selling when all other properties are basically selling for above market price? So you have to ask, what is the market price? So obviously I've done my research and I, I look on a per unit basis in a multifamily uh, asset like this. And when it comes to the per unit, it's very much below market. Um, so are there internal um, issues with the property? And you really don't know that until you have an inspection. So is it worth it to get an inspection, spend that thousand dollars and find out the answer? And so what I do is basically do as much, much research as I can, find out as much as I can from the broker or owner um, about the property. Obviously, they 
have to tell you some issues that they know about, but I mean, inevitably there's going to be other issues that they quote unquote don't know about um, that you'll find out through an inspection. So I'm at the point where I'm looking at an eight unit um, property in Miami, um, severely below market. And I think it could be a, uh, a great investment. It's, it's certainly a higher purchase price than I've been looking into. Uh, it's actually more than double what um, I was looking to spend. But when it comes to the return on, on investment and the, the IRR, um, it's, it's, it blows away what I've been looking at. So I think it would be prudent for me to look deeper into this, whether or not I go through with it, it would be prudent for me to look deeper into this so that I can figure out if this is the right thing to do. At the beginning of the year, I made a goal for myself. Um, you know, it's it's always good to make goals, whether the goal is realistic or not. Um, my goal was to expand my portfolio of investment properties by four units by the end of 2021. Um, I've heard some people say, don't do it by units, do it by uh, percent of return. Um, but, you know, specifically for me, I like having um, or increasing the amount of units that I have. Sure. Um, obviously, I want to make sure that I'm making money on them um, and not over leveraging myself. But uh, my focus was on increasing the number of units I have by four. Um, so obviously, this is an eight unit. So I would be more than doubling that. Uh, so I would certainly achieve my goal when before I was looking at duplexes. So it would take two purchases for me to do that um, to reach my goal, whereas I can double it with a single purchase. Uh, granted, that does bring into account a more of a management um, investment of time from my side. I can either pay for a management team or I can do it myself. But as of now, I intend on doing it myself. If I find that I can't handle it by myself, then I will uh, change my strategy at that point. But as of now, that is my intention. Um, so that's basically what I'm looking at right now. I uh, actually viewed the property yesterday. I liked what I saw. They're, they're replacing a, a lot of things, bringing it up to a standard. And um, so I'll update you if and when uh, I actually get under contract or close on that property. So let's get into the stock market. Um, as you all know, or maybe you don't know, I am big into the stock market. I love it. It's a certain, certainly a passion of mine. I try and get as many people as I can talk to um, to open up an IRA, an individual retirement account, specifically a Roth IRA, uh, which basically you pay your taxes now and you never pay taxes again on it when withdrawing the money when you're 59 and a half or older. Um, I think that it's basically one of the best things that the government has done for its citizens. Um, and the government tends to screw almost everything up. Uh, but when it comes to the IRA, I think uh, that's basically the best thing that the government has done for us. Um, so I would highly suggest you get involved or open an IRA. If you do not currently have one, max it out or put in as much money as you feel comfortable putting into it annually. Um, for me, that maximum is $6,000. Um, you know, there are some years that I have put in this, the maximum. There are some years I haven't uh, based on my income. And what I felt comfortable with. So, you know, even if you're only putting in a dollar a month, $10 a month, $100 a month, $300 a month, whatever it may be, or a one time um, basically distribution of the 6000 
I would highly suggest you get as close to that max as you can because you will be paying taxes now. And unless you believe that your tax bracket is going to be lower when you're 59 and a half than you are than you're in now, um, I would be maxing out that account. Um, so what's the stock market doing? Um, we've seen records in basically all the major indices. Um, sure, as of yesterday, there was a major pullback on uh, a couple of the indices, but you know, in the end, it, we're still up a huge amount. Um, in the long run, just like real estate, the stock market tends to go up. Uh, historically, it has gone up. You know, anywhere between like seven to ten percent um, over the long run. When you're looking at a uh, you know ten, twenty, thirty year and and more average, it's going up that that percentage. So even if the stock market goes down, I take that as a great opportunity to buy more. I always keep a little bit of cash. Um, not invested so I can reinvest. And um, when I feel that I have made a certain amount of money or that the um, situation of an individual company has changed, I liquidate or I sell a little bit or I take, you know, I take my initial investment out and I let the casino money um, roll in that, in that uh, position of mine. So I strongly believe that the stock market will continue. I also believe that there will be pullbacks. Um, that's a guarantee that there are going to be pullbacks. Um, one thing that I read recently is bulls make money, bears make money, but pigs get slaughtered. Um, so that basically just means that the stock market goes up, stock market goes down, but people who are unwilling to, you know, cut their losses, for instance, or, you know, take profits, uh, usually get slaughtered. Uh, we saw the, the craziness in GameStop. Just look what happened. That went from like $30 a share to I think $440, $450 intraday. Um, And then is all the way back down to $40 a share. Look at those pigs that got slaughtered that were holding on from 30 to 400 and then all the way back down to 40. They, I mean, (laughs) the the individual from Reddit who um, testified in, in front of Congress whose account went up, I think like $400 million and then came all the way back down. I mean, that, that blows my mind that he wasn't taking at least some profits. And it also begs to begs the question, why didn't uh, GameStop have an offering even at $100 a share when it was up at 400? Um, so I believe as of yesterday, their CFO got fired because uh, they didn't take advantage of that situation. Um, so this, the stock market's an interesting place if you are not invested, I would um, try and learn as much as you can before you get invested um, or just throw your money into a low cost index um, or mutual fund. Although I don't love mutual funds, but if it's a low cost, then, you know, go for it. Um, so let's get into crypto. Um, I have done very well on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, I like it. I think that it is a future trade. Um, I think most people who are involved in crypto like it for the long term as opposed to a day trade or, you know, a a swing trade or, you know, a one month hold. Um, I think for the most part, people are holding for the long run. Um, As of now, Bitcoin has a 200% year over year growth rate. Um, And, you know, that's insane. 
There's basically no other asset in the world that has a 200% year over year growth rate. Um, and granted, Bitcoin is only around for, I think, uh, 12 years or something like that. But um, it, that's insanity to have a 200% over 12 years. Um, so if you're not involved in crypto, once again, I would learn about it. There is the risk of um, governmental uh, regulations that could hold it or you know change the, the pace that it's going at. But when you look at it versus gold as a store of assets, um, it, it is much better than gold. You can always be mining more gold. There is enough gold. I don't know the exact number, but there's enough gold in the ocean that if we refined it out of the ocean, I think I think the number is like everybody can have 10 pounds of gold if we refine the ocean. So obviously there's basically an unlimited supply of gold in the earth. And that's not even talking about um, in space. And I've heard Elon Musk wants to mine gold in, in space. Um, and that would just shoot the price of gold all the way down uh, and basically make it worthless. Um, so the difference between gold and Bitcoin or crypto is that there is a finite supply. And when there's a finite supply of something, obviously, um, the demand for each individual unit would have to go up because as long as it's um, not regulated or uh, there's other issues, for instance, like hacking, this and that, but, um, but just solely based on the supply and demand aspect of it, if there's a finite supply, then the demand for each one, as long as it's perceived value or a store of assets, the demand will go up, which shoots the value up. Um, so I'm, I'm involved with crypto. I like it. I think it's an interesting um, concept and, and a take on the future, what our future is going to be. We see so many things about the environment, about electric cars, um, batteries. Um, so why would we not think that there's going to be a change in some sort of financial store of assets or currency for the future, um, making it digital, where somebody can just have something on their phone that they can store their life savings in and um, the government can't just inflate by printing a, a ton more of money um, like we have in fiat currency. Um, I think we have printed 29% of the amount of dollars that have ever been printed this year, or I, I mean in 2020, that that's mind numbing. Um, the value of each dollar is going down because the supply is constantly being increased. Whenever a politician or the Fed decides that they want to print more money, they're going to print more money and they can affect the value of your dollar based on what they want, whether it be a partisan situation or not, um, whether it's the right decision or not. Um, that cannot happen with crypto. There is a finite supply and it has zero dictation based on um, politics. So as of now, at least, um, because there are no regulations on it. Um, so it seems to me that it has a great potential for an increase in value. I've, I've seen estimates as high as $2 million of Bitcoin, um, which, hey, that would be awesome for me. Uh, when I first bought it, uh, I think it was like a year and a half ago, I, I told my buddies, uh, this is my retirement. And little by little, I've gotten each of my, my buddies to uh, invest in it. So 
we'll see. And I, I enjoy making money for others. Um, you know, it's not like I, I ask for anything in return. I like, I like helping people. I like seeing them happy when Bitcoin goes up. Um, and so educate yourself, um, keep doing research on whatever asset you do invest in, whether that be the stock market, cryptocurrency, um, hard assets like real estate. Um, and so let's continue on into, uh, what I see in the commercial real estate world as of now, um, things are, are getting back to normal a little bit. We have the vaccine coming out. More and more people are getting the vaccine. More and more people have had um, coronavirus. So the sentiment as a whole is getting better um, throughout coronavirus. We've seen that the industrial market has been on a tear. Uh, you basically can't find industrial in most markets, at least in South Florida. Uh, granted, I am in somewhat of a bubble. I don't know the markets of the entire United States, but um, as far as South Florida goes, industrial is booming. Um, retail is coming back a little bit. Um, restaurants, I think, are in for a little bit of a change on their business model, but I think that they're going to boom again. Um, I think the people who were able to hold on and have a good business concept and a good product and good service are going to see a major increase once the sentiment is back to what it used to be. Um, and I think that the people who just couldn't cut it or weren't going to cut it anyway, got knocked out. And um, it's probably a blessing for everyone, uh, both the customers and the owners of those companies that uh, they can start anew somewhere else or with another concept. Um, so as a whole, I believe that the commercial real estate world and real estate in general is in for growth. Um, the Airbnb world got slammed um, because obviously people weren't traveling much and renting in places where other people slept potentially the night before. Um, so I think that will come back big time um, once we see more travel um, and so I think as a whole, the real estate market is going to be coming back and coming back fairly strong. So let me transition. I, I slightly mentioned before, um, leveraging contacts and relationships. So I want to talk briefly about that. Um, it's, it's really important when you are looking at investments or basically anything you do that you, that you leverage who, you know, and build new relationships and expand your contacts and understand that, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, there's always somebody better than you at something and there's always somebody worse than you. So somebody is out there that can potentially help you get better at what you're doing um, and vice versa. There's always somebody worse than you, even if it's not at what you're doing as a whole, but maybe a, at, at a singular part of what you're doing that you can help out. Um, so there, I'll give an example. Um, like I said, I'm new in the brokerage world, only been in it a year. Um, and I have a mentor that, uh, that's been helping me. Um, I actually interviewed him in season two, Joe Gallagher. Um, and so in one of my first months that I was working um, at NAI Miami, he's teaching me this and that. And uh, he was having some trouble um, basically um, copying and pasting something on from like one document to the other. And I showed him a, uh, a tool that I know how to use on the computer called the snipping tool. You know, to me, it seemed very basic to him. He'd never seen it. Um, but vice versa, there's concepts that have seemed very simple to him in the real estate world that I've never seen that seem extremely 
complex to me. So there's always things that you can teach to people who you think are better than you in, in the subject that you're doing and vice versa. So um, leverage your contacts, um, start new relationships, seek out people who can teach you and who you can teach and continue that uh, growth model because um, you always want to expand your knowledge, get better at what you're doing. Um, and that's in my eyes, that's the only way to truly succeed. Um, so what is my outlook on 2021? I think that coronavirus is going to get lesser and lesser as long as, um, there aren't new strains basically that cripple us. Um, I think that people are getting sick of staying inside. Um, I don't know if businesses are going to force their employees back into the office or not. I do know that Computer companies, for instance, are very successful having their their clients, I mean, their uh, employees working from home. I know that, for instance, I've called American Express um, throughout the pandemic and their employees are working from home. Um, so I don't know if they're ever going to require their employees to come back. I know the real estate market in New York, the rent is so absurdly high that companies have to look at their balance sheets and see, is it worth it or should we downsize? Um, in order to stay successful and shed some money off of our balance sheets. Um, so I think overall, the outlook for 2021 is going to be pretty good. Um, what makes me a little bit skeptical is when all of the quote unquote um, professionals are saying that it's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, when everybody's a bull, I like to start becoming a bear. And when everyone's a bear, I like to be a bull. Um, so I'm a little bit skeptical on this, although my thinking about it is if we can come back from the coronavirus where we shut down literally the entire economy um, and it seemed like the entire world was shut down, then I think we can get over anything. And, you know, I fared fairly well uh, coming out of the pandemic um, when it comes to my investments. So I'm not very worried about what we can see in 2021, 22. Um so I'm, I'm fairly optimistic. Um, and one, one basic last thing, last concept I want to share with you all is a, is a comment made by Warren Buffett. Um, he, he's talking about investing in real assets. Um, and he, he compares these real assets to assets that give you something more than just a store of value. So he was talking a little bit about golden Bitcoin and he's comparing that to real estate or stocks. Um, so Warren Buffett talks about basically buying a bar of gold or an ounce of gold or whatever it may be. Uh, so let's say it's at $10,000. And at the end of 50 years, for instance, that that bar is worth, let's say, $100,000. So you, you've got your gain. Um, and then he compares it to real estate or um, stocks or an index where you're buying it at, let's say, that same $10,000 price and the increase over the same period of time, let's say, is equal to the $100,000. But throughout that time, in real estate, you receive your rent. So you're making that return. So that extra return other than the increase in value. And in stocks, you're receiving your dividends. 
um, if we're investing in dividend um, positions. So he he's talking about having real assets or or assets that give you returns on their value as well as other returns such as dividends or rent. Um, so it's, it's an interesting concept to think about um, on how sure the concept of Bitcoin and of gold is a decent store of your value and of your assets, but it's not necessarily the way to maximize growth on your assets. Um, so just take that with you. Um, I think it, it definitely solidified in my brain uh, the way I distribute my assets and I allocate them. Um, so hopefully you can take something from that as well. Um, to, to see the, the exact quote, just, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube or something like that where he talks about it. Um, and you can see his exact words, but it's basically him just comparing a store of assets such as gold or Bitcoin to more real assets that give you a bonus return, such as real estate or stocks. Um, so I'm really excited about season three of Getting on the Green. We have some great guests um, coming on that we're going to be posting starting next week. Um, I know you don't just want to hear my voice, so you want to hear uh, other takes on uh, the real estate world, social media, and... Um, other interesting topics. So I, I definitely have those coming. I have somebody who's going to be talking about psychology. So that should be interesting. Um, I always think understanding why we think one way or the other is a good way to improve. Um, so if you can control your own brain and your own thinking, um, you can kind of manipulate yourself to improve at a higher rate. Um, so we have somebody who's going to be talking about that. We have somebody talking about social media and how they grew themselves throughout the pandemic through the use of social media. We have somebody talking about um, mobile homes, a very interesting um, concept to invest in um, and how they basically have only invested in mobile homes recently and have seen major growth and how that's a booming market. And uh, certainly in Florida, you really can't find good deals on that anymore because the prices are getting so inflated because they're such good assets to own and fairly easy to and low cost to manage. Um, so I'm really excited again about the guests that we have on. Um, I really want to thank everybody who has been listening, who has been um, involved and who will continue to, to listen. And I, I want to reiterate feel free to reach out to me, gettingonthegreen.com. Uh, there's a link there that you can send me an email um, or hit me up on um, Instagram at gettingonthegreen or um, LinkedIn, just find my name, Craig Merlin, and I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, also, I am in commercial real estate, so if you all need anything, any help, any opinions uh, of anything like that, any way I can help you out, I'd be more than happy. Um, to be of assistance to you. Um, so I appreciate you sticking with us throughout the first two seasons. I'm excited about season three, and we will see you next time on the green.